This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hey, I'm Julian Hayes II, founder of The Art of Fitness and Life, and I help entrepreneurs and high-achieving individuals live longer, healthier, and richer lives through precision wellness. Julian, I am excited to talk to you today. We were having a great conversation before we started recording, and I know that this is going to be a really, I say it this a lot, that it's going to be a great conversation, but this is going to be an important conversation because we were talking about how prevalent this um, issue with health and specifically unhealthy habits is, especially in the legal industry. And so this is really an important conversation. Uh, And I'm going to go into some stats in a minute. And I know you have some stats too. But at the end of the day, I think if you are in the legal industry, you probably already know this. It's You probably see it with all your colleagues. You probably know that there's a problem. You see that, you know, there's more drinking or more substance abuse issues or more mental health problems than you see in the general population. And so you just kind of know in your gut that there's a problem that we need to address. So... That leads right into today's big question. We're just going to talk about how can lawyers be more healthy, both in mental health, physical health, and just kind of address healthy habits in life. And this is where you come in. You're the expert on fitness, life, trying to find that balance between health and fitness and and life in general. So let me first start by saying thank you for being here and, and talking to us today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for offering me a seat here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. All right. So let's let's talk about it. So first of all, I know you have some stats. What is the current s- status of uh, health in general, mental health, physical health? We're, I know it's it's not looking good, right? No, it's not looking good. But I'm an optimist, so it can't get better. You know, they there always say it, it's darkest before dawn. Is that one of the sayings? I heard yes, it in I ba- love that. I heard, I heard it in Batman. So I don't. I, he's he's <laughs> I <love> a, it. <laughs> so, but. You know, when I was thinking about this episode, um, typically I talk to predominantly entrepreneurs, but yeah. attorneys are quite similar to entrepreneurs in terms of it's a very stressful environment. A lot of times you're type A. The thing that has made you very successful and even attracted to this particular craft and career is also the thing that easily makes you crash and burn. Yes. And it's also two fields where a lot of times if you look at TV and then kind of social media, you can see these beautiful montages of, you know, life is just so good, the cars, the house, the career and all this stuff, but it's really a roller coaster and yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of lows. Starting with that, so when we look at entrepreneurs, right? It's two times this is compared to the general public, two times more likely for depression, three times for substance abuse, um, and then six times for ADHD. And oh my then gosh. I looked at a recent study from ALM concerning just attorneys, and this was just a, a pretty small survey. It's about 3,000 individuals, and it was 28% struggle with depression, yeah. 19% struggle with anxiety. That's a yep. small sample. Only 3,000 people are right there. Yeah. So just imagine if you took a wider cast net of this, and if you had people actually tell the truth, because let's be honest. Yes. It took me a while as a man to say, look, I'm depressed, and yep. I'm anxious, and I actually went to therapy, which is a huge thing for me, but a lot of times people are not even honest. So we got to account for that in these studies as well. So a lot of times when it comes to attorneys and entrepreneurs, 
it's not a thing of I'm unhealthy because I'm lazy because I can't get off yes. the couch. It's it's not that. We don't have yeah. that problem. It's there's a lot of things going through my head. I'm building up my career. I'm rising up the ranks. That yeah. means I'm getting more responsibility. I'm becoming more successful. I don't want to go back to day one. So I always have that in the back of my head. Yeah. And so I still have these family obligations or I'm trying to build a life partner, whatever. You have yeah. all these extra things. So it's like a success paradox then, right? You have all these things pulling you. You're very service oriented. And the thing that unintentionally gets left out is your very own well-being. And that's one of the critical issues. Yes, that is so true. That stigma of feeling like depression equals laziness Mm -hmm. and the difference between feeling that you're lazy and recognizing that it's not laziness, you're overwhelmed. And I know we're going to talk about burnout in a second, but I just wanted to add to some of your stats because I know before we connected, we were both kind of Googling some of these stats and there was an ABA article that was specific to lawyers and the legal industry. And this was from 2016. So I feel like this is important to note because this is before the pandemic, before we even had that added layer on top. But it was kind of similar to what you said. 28% of lawyers suffer depression. But law students, it said 37% of law students reported anxiety. And then 6% reported suicidal thoughts. And then there was another article that I saw that said half of lawyers are experiencing depression. And that one was from 2020. So that was in the beginning when we thought this pandemic was going to be a couple months long. <laughs> you know, like The world was a different place. So all the numbers point to it being just an epidemic in in the industry. And so number one, coming back to that idea of the stigma, and let's just take that away because it's it's just throughout, it's it's what is going on in the industry. It's not a personal thing. It's all of your colleagues. Everyone is overachieving. Everyone is trying, 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 hustling, hustling, and they're getting to this point of burnout, right? So let's talk about what that is. What is burnout? How do we address it? What What do we do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think burnout means a couple of different things to me. And the easy one, you know, from a scientific standpoint, or if you the medical standpoint, when you look at burnout is someone can go get their blood work or go do some lab testing, and they can say, oh, my cortisol is through the roof, or it's tanking, either or. Same thing with your thyroid, right? But I think there's another burnout that happens way before the physical manifestations. And that's more of a emotional, a mental, or even a spiritual burnout where a lot of times, for example, you start to feel disconnected from your work. It just starts, you you totally forget why I even started this in the first place. Yeah. Because you're so bogged down with maybe things that you don't want to do. You really just wanted to, I just wanted to help people win cases and that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, I have all these other little things admin things that it's just taking away. It's kind of like the medical equivalent of doing insurance and filing papers. When I yes. just want to tr- I just want to treat people, but now I'm in here just writing papers and filing papers away to insurance companies. Yeah. And, and so you get a little jaded, right? Sure. And and the emotional component is maybe things are not going your way. Yeah. And you start to feel stressed out. And stress is not a bad thing, but when it's not mitigated and under control, it can become a detriment because sure. then, of course, it affects your physiology, it affects your immune system, but it also is going to affect your it's going to affect your sleep, which is then going to affect your decision making. Because if we think about this, if you're sleep deprived and you're burning out right now, right? There's two areas in our brain 
amongst, amongst many, right? We have our prefrontal cortex, we have our amygdala. So our prefrontal cortex is gonna be the logic and reasoning. And this amygdala is more primal, it's more of our emotional uh, state. Well, when you're sleep deprived in a heightened stress deprived state, you're gonna have more brain activity in this amygdala and less in this prefrontal cortex. So you're going throughout the day in a more emotional reactive state. Yes. And you're yeah. making decisions out of emotion, which is then you're not gonna be pleasant. I think it's a low key big issue for relationships. I think yeah. people are sleep deprived and you know, this burnout. And the reason why I mention all of this is because everything's connected. And the way we go about burnout now is we wanted to put everything in its nice little compartment. But we have to realize that this is an entire system, an ecosystem where everything is connected. It's like a chain reaction. If I press one button over here, it's going to affect these five to six other things down the line here. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm just, I, I have two kids and I'm picturing, I did a lot of research on sleep before either of them was born. And I'll never forget, I was in, with my first, I was in this um, prenatal yoga class and I was sitting there and it was very, you know, kind of, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but you know, you can imagine. And we're, we're all these moms, these pregnant moms sitting around in a yoga class and they're going around the room. They're trying to talk about what is this intention that you have for this baby? And everybody's like, I hope they are joyful. And I hope that, you know, whatever. And, and if you know me and you know my personality, that is, that is not me. I am very analytical and I'm very um, kind of results oriented. So they get to me and I'm like, I hope she sleeps. And that's, that is my goal. And I am researching it. I am, it matters a lot. And the more I read about it, the more important this is, not just for her, but for mm -hmm. me and my husband. And sleep is one of the biggest challenges you have with babies. And we are still those people. Like our brains are different and we've obviously grown. But when they're babies and toddlers and whatever, that prefrontal cortex that you're talking about is not even developed yet. So you have to kind of speak to that undeveloped brain and recognize all those signs of when they're tired and just really addressing their sleep needs right away. Because when they're little, you get you see it right away. You know exactly what you're going to pay for the next day if they don't get that nap or they don't sleep well through the night. But you're still that same human being. Like You still have those same needs. Your brain is just a little more developed, but your life is still going to be affected in the same kind of ways that you're describing. You're not going to be making decisions well. You're going to just be kind of like a grumpy toddler if you're not getting the right amount of sleep and you're going to make bad choices. So kind of recognize that part of you that needed sleep from the beginning and still needs sleep and is going to affect your overall well-being if it doesn't go well, if you're not getting the right amount of sleep. I, mean, yeah. I know that was kind of a long story. but <laughs> And a, a lot of times you talk to people about fitness or health. And one of the, what's one of the first things they want to say, I need to lose a few pounds. I want to get some yes. of the stubborn weight off. Sleep is a very big portion sure, of, of, of that weight loss. So it's, yeah. you know, sleep is like a puppet master. It has all these strings and it's connected to every single facet of our life in some yeah. form or fashion. And it, oftentimes sleep is the first area that I that I start to address before any other area. Yeah. Because yeah. if you wake up feeling refreshed, odds are you're going to make better decisions throughout the day because you're not going to have those hunger pains and just those mid-afternoon binges because you're crashing or, or you need yeah. caffeine to push you need through. Ca you need caffeine to push through. Yeah. And so yeah, sleep is a critical component of this yeah. whole entire equation of burnout. 
Well, and especially in the last two years during this pandemic, I have never had sleep issues uh, personally, unless I had a newborn, but every one I know, especially a lot of mothers, have all of a sudden been waking up in the middle of the night because we've just got these spiraling thoughts. And so on top of all of the regular things going on in life, adding on this pandemic and adding on all this uncertainty in the world and all of that stuff has been disrupting a lot of people's sleep on top of everything else. Yeah, and you know that leads me to another point and potentially as we're talking about, okay, so if we understand burnout, what are some things that we can do about that? And yeah. you kind of just led into a big portion of that is these we have these thoughts in our head. Yeah. And that's taking away energy from us right now with all these negative thoughts, all these or just all this chatter in our head. Yeah. So developing some sort of mindfulness practice is another really powerful tool in in terms of helping with burnout and you don't have to light any candles or do any ohm or yeah. any of that stuff to, to start. <laughs> unless to start, you want to, like maybe that's you, your unless, thing. Yeah. If that's your thing, yes. You yeah. know, if that's your thing, yes. You know, but you don't have to do it. Really, what I tell people to do, and it's worked wonders for a lot of people, is just to, in the middle of the day, a lot of times we hear start your day with meditation, end your day with meditation, but the middle of the day where we're in, the, we, we're putting out fires or we're just in work mode and we're yeah. glued to this seat, take a three to five minute timeout. Yes. Just to breathe. Yes. Close your eyes, breathe, assess your day. How's my day going so far? How do I feel? What's going on? And just refocus yourself. It's like playing basketball. You go in at halftime and you're going to make adjustments for the second half. Yeah. What, what did we do well the first half? What do we need to improve on? What, do, yeah. what should we keep doing? And then you just go about that. But just breaking up your day, just to give yourself a break and to get out of the autopilot mode. Yeah. Because for a lot of things that we do, we're in autopilot. That's our brain is very fancy in a yeah. in a different in a in a kind of a word to say is it's very fancy and um, sophisticated. And so we get these patterns where a lot of things we do, we think we're doing this, but it's really just autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've noticed a lot. Um, I I try to to do that. I don't have a great um, habit of it, but I do notice, especially on the crazier days where I take a step back or sometimes I'll go for a walk or whatever the case might be. And then all of a sudden I'll do sort of a check-in with like, what's going on with my body? Like, is my heart racing for some strange reason? And is it in response to some conversation or some email or some situation? And what's that all about? Why am I letting that give me these physical effects? You know, like, what can I do to try to breathe through it or figure that out or lessen the physical effects that it's having on me? So just to kind of do some breathing and then kind of check in with your body. Like what is happening um, with all of these situations? Because, I mean, you can imagine some of the situations that certain lawyers are dealing with throughout the day. If you are a criminal defense attorney and you are just seeing one really kind of sad or scary or overwhelming situation after another, that's got to take a, a toll on you and just kind of either tear you down or get you ramped up in a way that's unhealthy or whatever the case might be, but just check in with your body to see what's going on so that you can try to lessen those effects. Yeah, because a lot of times we don't have an outlet for all of this that we're taking in. Yeah. We're taking we're taking in so, you know, like you mentioned, the criminal defense attorneys, you're taking in so much emotion there. 
Yeah. It's really heavy, no matter what right. side of that, no matter what side of the aisle. It's heavy material that you're taking in. Yeah. And if you don't have a way to positively get that out of your system, it's basically you're just being poison's a strong word, but this this will be more of a vivid picture. You're taking in just poison, negativity, yeah. all this poison in you, and totally. you can't get it out. So it's just making your system more and more and more toxic. And yeah. that's wh- and that's where we lead to then the negative outlets which is the alcohol or a different substance abuse to kind of medicate and numb ourselves from all the stress that we're taking in. Yeah. So I know you mentioned basketball a little bit ago and you've got a kind of athletic approach to some of your, um, the work that you do, but what, what, how does that play in? And how do you work with people who weren't athletes? You know, cause mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming a lot of these entrepreneurs yeah. didn't necessarily have an athletic background. How does, how do you bring that, that background and that, that kind of strategy into, to your work? Yeah. Well, I tell everyone that they're an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. You're an athlete first and foremost. You know, some of us, many of us, we just don't get paid for it, but we're an athlete still. We're an athlete. Sure. If you can, if you can move your body, you're an athlete in my book. And yeah. I love athletics because I, there's so many principles that we can yeah. learn from athletics. And that's why I, I love to bring that into the business world and vice versa as well. But yeah, so that's the main thing is, and with athletics, what they do in athletics is they're a lot more precise Yes, with their um, metrics and different portions of the human body. And I thought, why don't we do this with our health as well? And because it's, you know, we're time-constrained individuals just like those athletes are. Yes. And a lot of times the way we, that we approach diets and exercise regimens and overall lifestyle regimens, we call them custom, but it's really not custom. It's just really things that other people do, yeah. but it's not truly bespoke. And so yeah. that was one of my things because, well, A, I did it on myself first. And I, yeah. I figured if if I'm interested in it, then there's 7.8 billion people in the world. <laughs> There's Somebody gotta else has to be a few others. There's yeah. got to be a few others. Yeah. I got to find them. I got to find them, but there's yeah. going to be some others, right? Yeah. And I just think though, like, because one of our most precious things is time. We work so hard because one for freedom, but also because of the people in our lives as well. Sure. And so if we had more health, more energy, then we get back time that we can yes. pour into our work. We can pour into our families and then we're going to be around much longer as well. Yeah. And it's not just being around, it's being around in a better place. So you're not just kind of walking around with, you know, this dark cloud over your head and you're just not very pleasant to be around because you've got so much like spiraling in your head. You and all the people around you are having a better life because of, you know, finding some healthier habits. So what are some of these kind of data driven health metrics that you talk about? Yeah, so we can. So there's a couple of those are testing your biological age to your chronological age. So that's. Ooh, how do you do yeah. that? Oh, uh, it's, it's just a it's just a blood test, and uh, I you know I ship it to them, and then they'll they'll prick your fingers, and then send it to the lab. So I have a bunch of diff- different partnerships, and so um, to kind of do this, and then I'm basically, in a nutshell, like the CEO of their body. So I'm very good at just looking at a bunch of data and then creating a story. And then that's how we go with their plans. And then if we need more like a specialist, then I I have a lot of super smart friends and then they'll come in. So what have you seen in terms of the difference between biological and chronological Mm -hmm. age? I'm sure you've got some cool stories around that. Yeah. So for mine is um, I am right now for every 12 months, I'm aging nine months. Oh, how, so, oh yeah. that is cool. <laughs> yeah, so and so how? I'm going to I'm going to improve that 
going to improve that. Wow. I, I just I just love a competition. So I want to. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm 35 uh, chronologically, but biologically I'm 31.4, and like my Whoa. immune system is like 25 years old. Oh and, my gosh, that is so, amazing. Thank you. And so that's one thing we look at, and but even more something more practical. That if that's just like that just sounds crazy, right? It sounds cool. I mean, it sounds yeah. like that's kind of the the goal is to age backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to age backwards or to or to stop and not or to age slower than you are advancing in terms of the number of years that you've been around. And there's yeah. another cl- there's another clock for that as well because when you look at the tests here, there's one there's one metric right that's looking at just your overall body of work. Yeah. Whereas some people, and then there's one where is this is the pace, this is at the rate that you're aging. Yeah. So it's two different things because you have some people who have really just been on a health kick for maybe a year. Yeah. Before that, they weren't that healthy. So their overall score might indicate that they have a higher biological than a chronological right now. Yeah. But the rate at which you're aging has improved. So that's just so people don't freak out or anything. Yeah. But but another cool thing that I usually tell people to start with is technology or these wearables that we have. Yeah. You know, we have our phones. We have – I have a Wolf Band on right now. There's Garmin. There's Apple. There's Fitbit. And – this is a cool thing, especially because, you know, let's call it a spade a spade. Attorneys are known for drinking to kind of medicate themselves and to help themselves sleep. Sure. And a lot of times you hear people say, I need to wind down the night with a couple glasses of wine. It helps me sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. Of course, you're sleeping, but what is the quality of that sleep? Yes. And yeah. me telling them that, this is one reason why I started using a lot more data, because I'm stubborn and a lot of other clients are stubborn as well. Right. That's a gift of us, though, because we're we're different. So I was like, okay, data is not biased. Yes. It has no agenda. And so what you can see then is you can test nights where you don't have any alcohol, and you can see that your deep sleep and that your REM sleep is a lot more prevalent with very little light sleep and fewer awakenings throughout the night. Whereas when you have alcohol, you might have had seven hours of sleep still, but that deep sleep, that REM sleep – has severely been reduced and you have a lot more awakenings you have a lot more light sleep so you're not getting that restorative sleep you're not getting that sleep that's also critical for our brains to process the new information that we took into from the day to effectively blend in and we can look at things like our heart rate we can look at things like our hrv a lot of times when you know your baseline heart rate your baseline hrv you can kind of predict that an illness is coming on or that you're getting sick what's the hrv so HRV stands for heart rate variability. Okay. It's basically, in a nutshell, it's basically assessing your overall nervous system, parasympathetic, okay. sympathetic. So it's basically just looking at that to see how is your body's recovered throughout the day. Okay. Okay. And for myself and for a couple of friends and clients, um, I got sick. So I had COVID maybe oh, no. a couple a couple months ago, right? Okay. And I, my heart rate jumped up. Yeah. I was like, hmm, this is odd. This is not right. And then my HRV jumped up a little bit. My respiratory rate was up a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, I know something's going on. Something's coming along. So basically, I had a few days before the symptoms actually, quote unquote, started to go ahead and start prepping myself. And this is Uh, not even just for something like COVID. It can be something from like the flu or anything. Yeah. You you know your baseline. So every day you're getting a baseline of your health. Yeah. Typically, we go to get our checkups maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. What if we had baseline for every single day, and then yep. we can print that off and then give that to our doctor as well, and you can yeah. help them 
make even more effective diagnoses yeah. with yeah. your health. So it's just really taking control of your health and being proactive instead of reactive and not having any surprises. Yeah, that makes so much more sense because, you know, I'm picturing the doctor's office 10 years ago before we had all these abilities to have these metrics or maybe even more than that. And you just show up and I'm picturing the poor doctor who's like, okay, what's going on? You're like, I don't know. I just don't feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're starting at, at zero at that point. So they have to ask a million questions. You don't really have the information. So the ability to treat whatever that might be, whether it's a cold Mm -hmm. or cancer or whatever, the success rate is so tiny because you don't have that information. You didn't have that feedback. You didn't really know what was going on with all of those different metrics. So, you know, it's not about the doctor being a good or bad doctor. It's they don't have the info. They don't have that data to go on. Yeah. And so I and I have a lot more empathy because, you know, the year in medical school gave me a behind the scenes look and then I did a lot of shadowing as well. I had to. And then I I still have classmates who actually graduated everything. So and then, you know, various other doctors I know. So I understand that it's a lot of information. The, the yeah. health field moves so fast. Yeah. A lot of times, and a lot of times, just going to a doctor's office, it is the system that they're that they're under. Sure. Is this is how it's built? So you're yeah. not going to get just sixty minutes or engine direct access to them. A lot of times to just call and ask questions. Yeah. That's just not how it works. So that's why you can do some of these small things to kind of help them out because they don't have time to just keep up with all this. Yeah. You know, with so many other tasks as well. And all like, that yeah, so, lovely insurance paperwork you mentioned before, too. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. but yeah, there's there's so many, you know, we just mentioned a couple of those tools right there, but there's there's so many different ways to really leverage data and technology because that's the way the future is going. Yeah. And it's, it's only going to get more advanced. And I'm sure, you know, when we get off this call, somebody else just has a new test coming out. Like I literally, I literally get inundated with so many different tests to try this, try that and all this yeah. stuff. So it can kind of get overwhelming, but I would say for just to start with your, just the basics. If you have a basic wearable or something, yeah. start tracking your sleep, your heart rate and your HRV to get a baseline. And yeah. then notice how some of your behaviors throughout the day, how it correlates with the results that you get. Okay. So that's a great, that, that's step one. But then what, what would you say are some of the most common things that you then, you know, once you have that data, mm-hmm. what are the most, you know, maybe a couple of the most common things that you then adjust based on what you, what you see in that data? Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's keep it universal. So, cause I would also do it like genetic testing, right? To oh, kind yeah. of get a little more precise with their, with their nutrition, but just to keep it universal here, the nutrition and specifically something called a standard of performance. I stole it from Bill Walsh. He's a hall of fame football coach. It was oh, a great cool. book. And, um, so basically, um, a little backstory of that is the 49ers were terrible for those of you into sports. They were terrible in the late seventies. I wasn't around, yeah. but, but from <laughs> what I was told they were terrible. And then I, I read the book. And so, <laughs> What he did to turn around that franchise was he wasn't necessarily obsessed with the result or winning games or winning the Super Bowl. He was more process oriented. How do you go about things? So how do you, so players at practice went about things a certain way. The shirts were tucked in. Coaches went a, went about things a certain way. There was culture. There was a culture and organizational structure established. And the same thing can be applied to nutrition. So a lot of times I ask people, how do you eat? What yeah. do you eat? When do you eat? Why do you eat? And it sounds elementary at first, but but think about where do you eat? Because that can affect your stress levels as well. Are you eating in a stressful state? 
Yeah. Are you eating somewhere on a rush all the time, just grabbing yeah. food on the go? How yeah. are you eating? That goes back to that stressful thing as well. And why are you eating? Are you eating for stress? Are you eating just for boredom? Or are you eating because you're actually hungry? Or yeah. are you eating because it's actually one of your meals? And, and so, so many people eat, eat as a reward to themselves. Yeah. And then they're, you know, when they put it in that bucket, it's like, it's a reward. I did this X, Y, or Z. And so I deserve this thing that I, I know is not a great thing for me. But um, I'm, you know, kind of sugarcoating it quite literally and calling it a, a reward so that I can justify it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you have some of those kind of questions in your mind, then you can decide, okay, this is how I'm going to eat. And you can look at your day. Okay, for a lot of people, breakfast is fine. When you wake up in the morning, you can make a good decision. But yeah. usually where people struggle is the middle of the day. What yep. is that afternoon meal? Yep. And once you identify that, usually a good option is to use a meal delivery service. Yep. There's some pretty good ones now, depending mm-hmm. on your area. I, I typically say go with the local ones more than ones that just ship all over domestically because yeah. the food's a little fresher. It's a little more tastier. Yeah. So at least... If you're not going to do that, then at least have a plan. So, yes. okay, where am I going to have lunch at or something? The right. worst thing to do is to just grab something out of convenience. Because yeah. a lot of times, this world is not set up for convenience. And so anything of convenience typically is going to be something that's non-ideal in the long term for your health. Or not cheap either. You're going to end up spending a lot more mm-hmm. because of the convenience factor, which basically, to me, is the failure to plan. So you end up spending because you didn't plan. I, I love that advice because of all of the sort of, you know, entrepreneurial books and you see all these, those big Silicon Valley guys who like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who wears that same outfit every day and, you know, tries to reduce his decision fatigue. Um, the, the one piece that I took for myself was lunch to do that every, and I, I figured out what my perfect <laughs> lunch is and I do the same thing every single day and I never get tired of it because I just know I've decided this is healthy. I know it's going to cost some ridiculously cheap amount. I can mm-hmm. count on it. I don't have to think about it. And my kids every day, they're like, are you still going to have that same thing? I'm like, yes, I am. I'm happy with it. And I'm really happy with not having to think about it. And I know it's there. I know I've got it. It's one less thing I have to think about during the day. So, you know, instead of like doing the black turtleneck, like the Theranos woman or like the Mark Zuckerberg, like maybe just kind of make a system out of your lunch so that it's one less thing you have to think about. And maybe it's not as rigid as mine is, like where it's the exact same thing every single day. But maybe it's like, okay, I'll have two ideas or three, you know, and kind of rotate them. Yeah, but, a, ro- you know, a rotation. Reduce the, yeah, exactly. Just kind of reduce the amount of things you have to think about. Make it easy. Make it healthy. Make it something that you enjoy. But recognize that at that point of the day, the last thing you want to do is be figuring that out. Yeah. And if you think about it, a lot of the principles that have made you successful in your career and got you to where you are now, those same things can be applied to your health and to your mental, to your overall mental well-being. You definitely plan and strategize for a case. You don't just go in yeah. blind and cold. And right. you, can do this, you can do the same thing with your health. And it's not going to take nearly as long with your health as it does, as I imagine. It takes, I imagine it takes a, a lot of hours preparing for cases and studying that. I think yeah. so. And yeah, so, absolutely. I promise it won't. It will not take that long for your nutrition. It will not take no, that long. No, like for your you nutrition. already know what you like, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like just make healthy choices within the boundaries of what you're also willing to eat. You know? Exactly, <laughs> and that's so much easier than, than saying I have to follow this diet or I have to follow yeah. this diet. It's yeah. what makes sense to my psychology, my preferred lifestyle, 
and then we'll work around and play with it. Yes. But you don't, but you don't start with forcing yourself to do a diet that may be incongruent with your professional lifestyle and your everyday hour to hour of how you operate. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes so much more sense to me than yeah, I tried one of those fasting things a few months ago and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I was like, okay, this is not for me. <laughs> Which one? Which one? Uh, it was the one out of USC, the um, Walter Longo one. Oh, the 5-2? It was, I don't know what it is, but it was not for me. I mean, it was like, it, it was bad where I was sitting at my desk, just like not really doing much. And I thought I was going to pass out. And yeah. it was just, I just realized, okay, this, that was an interesting experiment, but I'm done. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to whatever I'm at. A simple fasting that you can do, which is what is typically my default is 12 and 12. What's that? So it's basically 12 hours of 12 hours on and 12 hours off. And okay. the, the, the thing is though, I give myself at least two to three hours before bed and between my last meal yeah. just to let my um, food digest because that takes energy and I don't want that to interfere with my sleep. Sure. And and then, so if you do that, that's about two hours, two, three hours there. And then maybe you sleep for seven, eight hours. That's 10, 11 hours right there. And then you have like an hour as you wake up and you have essentially fasted and gotten most of the benefits when it comes to fasting. Because fasting is, fasting is very beneficial. But yeah. You don't have to do a 16-8 or 5-2. They all have their different rules. So typically for a day-to-day, I say twelve. the 12-12 is good. It's pretty lifestyle-friendly too. So yeah. as a heads up, I do not I don't hit I don't hit that perfectly. Sometimes sometimes I have late dinners when I'm out socializing. Sure. I don't want to be the guy, I don't want to be the guy that's well, like I can't have this. Infringing on my fast. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't have I can't have the dinner and wine. No, no, no. It's it's yeah. interfering with my fast. Right. No. I, yeah. I'm I'm am I'm done with those days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is there is always balance. And that's that's part of finding, you know, healthy habits as well is finding that balance where okay, you know, I did this. I I followed these rules for the last 28 days. I'm going to have a day of a break. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to kind of rest for a moment. So awesome. All right. Well, so Julian, what book, uh, I know you know that our audience is full of tireless lawyers that are mm-hmm. clearly unhealthy and need some some work in, in that department, but what book do you have to recommend um, that, that might tie into this subject? Coming to, into my head for some reason, there's a book called Levels of Energy, and it's by Frederick Dotson, I believe. That's his last name. It's, a, it's not a quick read. That's all right. They're yeah. lawyers. And that's true. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's a book, obviously, about energy, but also about, like, everything in this world is energy. And yeah. the stuff we consume is energy. And there's, as the title gives it away, there's different levels of energy. <laughs> and with within those levels of energy, it's going to be different ways that you operate. And to no surprise, again, the higher the level of energy, most likely the better health that you're going to have, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. And so when you read that book, it's very eye-opening because you might be like me and you'll say, this kind of music or this kind of content, this is like level 100 energy. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is why I'm feeling the way I feel. Yeah. Because, it, because it's this type of energy. When you learn this is that, you know, we're essentially energy. Yeah. And it just helps you navigate throughout the day and you start to appreciate, oh, this is why I need to do, this is why mindfulness is good for me. This is why classical music has this effect on me because of the level of energy that it's at and you just mentally feel a little more stimulated and and calm yeah this is why exercise does this to me so it's not a book that is going to just give you step-by-step instructions but it's a book that makes you think 
and you will start to just apply it in your life, bits and pieces that stick out to you. So I, I cannot recommend the book highly enough. Oh, that sounds amazing. I, a long time ago, had some conversations with people who were in the kind of nutrition research world, and they kept coming back to the idea of energy. And it really, you know, not only is it kind of the source of our, our cells and all of that stuff, but it's the thing we're all seeking. We're mm-hmm. all looking for energy in different kinds of ways, whether it's through, we do it through caffeine or whether we have too much energy and you're kind of using the alcohol to bring it down. Whatever the case might be, you're looking to adjust your energy in different ways. And a lot of times that that directly relates to your health, whether you're doing it in, in good and healthy ways or not. And then that just plays out in all of the other parts of your life. So that makes so much sense to kind of get down to the core of like what's going down. And especially like that, it sounds like it kind of goes down to like the cellular level, which I love that kind of yeah. stuff. Like that sounds amazing. Yeah. And you know, health is an inside out job. And unfortunately, the way that we go about things a lot of days now is that it's the opposite we go out to in but it's it starts in and then yeah. it becomes outward because ultimately what you create inwardly is going to manifest outwardly yes well i was just going to ask you what uh the one takeaway that you would want people to get from this episode is that it i mean i feel like that was an amazing quote right there the inside out job do you have a different takeaway oh, that man. you would want to because we can just say okay like refer like flip back 15 seconds and <laughs> you know i i like that but i i also do have like a, a philosophy that i go about is that is do it for the intention not the attention in terms oh, of just how you live about yes. life. Yes. Yes. I love that. Because at the end of the day, it's about you and your life, not about mm-hmm. what you know what that means for other people looking at you. Yeah. And with the right intentions, the right outcomes. And so a lot of times if things are not kind of going your way in life, in whatever facet of life, it's a lot of times the intention needs a little tweaking. Yes. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, then the right kind of attention ends up rolling back to you because exactly. you've you know kind of set it up right from once again going back to the inside out idea. You've set started at the right place and kind of mm-hmm. put that out. Awesome. Okay. Well, Julian Hayes is the founder of the Art of Fitness and Life, and we will link to your website and all of your resources and that awesome book that you mentioned on the on the show page. And um, thank you so much for this was such an important conversation. I really appreciate you being here and, and uh, chatting with me today. No, thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I, I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> me too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.